0: Kia ora. Hey, it's so good to see you guys. My name's Matt, um, for those of you who, who don't know. And, and I was meant to be on last week. And you know, when you've done like a real half baked assignment and you're up through the night or whatever, and it gets to the next morning, and they give you an extension, you're like, oh man, I'm so going to take advantage of this opportunity. And then it gets to the same time next week, and you're like thinking about it for the first time again. <laughs> That's totally not me tonight. <laughs> Um, but no, I'm excited to be here. I'm just one of the community here. You know, I'm not like a, not one of the sheriff. I'm not the mafia, but I'm just a citizen. I'm just a townsperson <laughs> here at the 6pm uh, community. So pumped to be sharing tonight. Um, and I, I reckon that, that what we're going to bring out of the word tonight is of is of a real value, and it's going to, um, yeah, it's just going to be mean. So I'm excited for it. Um, so I'm going to pray just to kick us off, and then we'll get into it. God, thank you for the moments that that we can share together, Lord. We ask that um, as we leave tonight, we'll be slightly different than what we came in, Lord. And um, yeah, I just pray that that what I say tonight won't be my words, but they'll be your words and that that you'd transform hearts and change lives to here t- tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to get stuck right into it tonight and I want to kind of streamline or kind of structure our thoughts around one question. And the question is this, who is it that influences you? Okay, like what are the messages that you input and value into your lives? And you think about it, um, like who do you look up to? Whose opinion or take on things do you most um, respect? Like who do you go to for advice and and I'm a youth leader right and so I've been doing youth leading for a few years now and before that I was a youth when I was at high school um, at a different church in Palmy and one things that all youth groups like to do is play games right and so like back in the day when I was year nine we used to do real fun games and um, these days we have health and safety so sometimes we like to play duck duck goose on the nights that everyone's bought their safety gear but other than that it's mostly like sitting around talking you know. Someone gets a carpet burn, we have to shut the ministry down, so uh, the games are severely limited these days with the whatever health and safety act, but um, one game that we used to play is like if you have everyone set up in four teams, right, and each team nominates one person, and so the point of the game is there might be like an obstacle course set out, okay, and so there'll be, like, chairs and whatever. And each nominee is blindfolded, so they can't see. And how they win is your team, like, shouts at you and tells you what to do, right? And so it just turns into a bit of a mess of noise. You can't say the person's name, so this person has no idea who's saying what. Like, is that person on my team, or is it not? And so you've got someone who's not on your team and shout at them. You're like, I take three steps to the left. And they'll do that, and they'll run into a chair. And you're like, haha, didn't see that one coming, did you, buddy? And, you know, because they're blindfolded. Uh, But what's the point? Um, The winner of the game is the person who can filter the voices, right? Like if you're the person who can work out what voices to trust and what ones you won't trust, you'll be the one who gets to the finish line first. And I wonder tonight, what are the voices that you're trusting to get you over the finish line? And I I think our lives are kind of similar to this game where where we go through life and we kind of think we see our own direction forward, but actually our direction is so influenced by the people around us. And, And there's so many voices these days that the noise can be overwhelming and that only complicates matters. You know, we're influenced by our friends and our family and our colleagues and the people, but there's also a culture that has a huge weight on what we think. And there's the media and there's the social media and there's an increasing more number of people competing for airtime. And so the challenge to filter that out becomes increasingly challenging. And my, my hope for tonight is that we can come away with some some tools and ways to think through who it is that influences us and maybe if there's an opportunity to make some positive changes. And and I believe that by applying long-term what we're going to discuss to tonight, what we're going to discuss tonight, I believe there's an opportunity to benefit on an individual level. And I want to say as a bit of a preface, for me, my faith and the fact that I've given my life to Jesus is predominantly not because the Bible says to do so or because my parents did that or because I might go to hell if I don't. But the reason I've given my life to Christ is that I have weighed up the options and that's the best one on the table. And when we make relationship with Christ, the selfish thing, we kind of missed the point. Um, but, But the long story short for tonight is that I think the passage suggests that by allowing God more influence in our lives, we're the ones that stand to benefit. Oh no, I've just lost my place. Um, and, and, but I'm thinking as well maybe there's people here tonight that, that you don't believe in God or you don't have a relationship yet and that means that some of tonight's ideas might be a little bit redundant but I still believe that actually there's huge value in this view because for every human we face the challenge of filtering through the messages right? we need to work out which ones have merit and which ones don't and so I believe that one we're going to talk to some tools that might be helpful for that but two you might also get a window into what, what a relationship with Christ might look like for you and what some of the, the benefits of that would be. And so as we always do here at The Street, I'm going to go to the Word, um, go to Scripture tonight to look at this. And so we've been journeying through the book of Hebrews lately, and we're going to go there tonight. So if you've got a Bible or an app, um, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 9. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, um, Matt Swank Matt, other Matt um, talked about contentment from the passages before. Tonight we're going to talk about influence. So Hebrews 137 7-9, it says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations since those who observe them have not benefited I think for lots of us we would have done NCEA right and one of the ways they frame questions in the exams is they do this thing where it says compare and contrast. So the idea of that is you have either two options or two concepts and you kind of got to look at the similarities and the differences and then maybe make a suggestion as to which the best one is. And I think having the experience of doing this will put you in good stead for looking at the passage tonight because I believe that that in these three verses, the writer is essentially comparing and contrasting two different models of influence. So if we have the verse back up, it's verse 7 is a positive model of influence in terms of how we filter messages into our lives. And then the writer kind of seems to me that verse 9 is saying, actually, that's not a good, as good a model of influence. And what I find when I was comparing these two models is that there's kind of four components that's present in each of them. So I've got to the next slide. There's four components. So there's a who in each, there's a message, there's a why as a do. So if you look at verse 7 where it says, remember your leaders, there's a who they're the leaders who have spoken a message, the message is God's word. There's a why where it says carefully observe the outcome of their lives, i.e., if the lives of if the lives of those leaders produce good outcomes, and if only if, then there's a therefore do. It says imitate their faith. And if you look at verse 9, there's a similar set there in a slightly different order. But, but the, the who here is not explicitly mentioned, but rather tied into the message. So there's a message where it says, don't be led astray by the people who are saying various kinds of strange teachings. So the who is the presenting the message. Um, there's a do where it says, do, do not be led astray by various kinds. Uh, and there's a why. It's because the people who observe them have not benefited. And so hopefully I'm thinking we can all see that. There's a who, it's remember your leaders and not those presenting strange teachings. A message is the word of God rather than the strange teachings. And I'll get to what those strange teachings are in a bit. Uh, there's a why, it's because we can observe the evidence that those following the word of God have benefited. There's been positive outcomes that we can see uh, where those observing other messages have clearly not benefited. And there's a do, therefore imitate those leaders whose lives produce good outcomes and don't be led astray by strange teachings. It is better to be established by grace than by food regulations. And I'm I'm hoping we can kind of see that, but I think it leaves two questions. Number one, the thing about food regulations is weird. Like, this is an obscure thing to say. Um, And number two is that verse 8 kind of seems like a nice thing that you'd use as your phone screensaver or, like, scribbler on your wall. But the relevance is, like, what's the relevance of verse 8 in line here? And I think both questions can be answered by digging a little bit deeper so, the first question about food regulations comes from the fact that this whole book of Hebrews is written to a different people different set of people with different circumstances than we have. And the original audience of this book would have known exactly what food regulations meant. Um, and this means it's, food regulations are symbolic of what they called the law, which was essentially a religious set of rules that before Jesus came, everyone was expected to follow these rules. But, but Jesus coming changed this. And so God no longer expects people to totally, totally follow the letter of the law. But, but there are some people during this time that said, essentially, actually, no, you still do have to follow these rules. And so the writer of Hebrews is responding to that. He's saying, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. And he's saying, it's good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations. Means, in part that it's better to be shaped by the freedom that is in the grace of God than it is to be shaped by the pressure and the expectation of having to follow all of the rules. And this was kind of the biggest struggle in the lives of the original audiences. Do we stick to what we've been taught by Jesus, the word of God? Or do we go back to the law? And that was a way easier option for them because the law was kind of the way everyone did things and that was way more culturally acceptable. Like Jesus was kind of a no-go in that culture like, and there were severe consequences like to the point where they'd be killed. So it's kind of just easier. There's a temptation for them to go back to their old way of doing things. But, but I think despite the fact that there's a few differences between the original audience and the context we find ourselves in today. I think there's a number of principles we can borrow and apply to our lives. And I kind of want to look at some of the ideas in this passage um, in terms of who we allow to influence us and what messages we should value and input into our own lives. Who are the people that we allow to determine how we live and what we live by? And so the first principle is this. there's a slide. We are to imitate those whose lives have produced good outcomes. So we should be influenced by those whose lives have proved the value of their words and messages, and therefore try and imitate or copy them in order to bring those outcomes into our own lives. And so it says, as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. And so I think this is a kind of easy to grasp rationale, but I'm going to use the illustration anyway. Uh, So let's say that you are an aspiring basketball player, right? okay, and so you want to find someone who you can be influenced by, you want to find someone you can imitate, and so you're watching two players, you want to learn how to take a three-point shot, okay, and you're watching me and Steph Curry, okay, and so this illustration, for those of you who haven't already grasped exactly what I'm trying to say, uh, Steph Curry is a very good three-point shooter, and I'm pretty abject, okay, and so I think Steph shoots at about 43%, which um, doesn't sound that good, but that's about as good as it gets, and so I've made up a statistic to back up my point. I think I shoot at about 5% on the basis that if you put the ball up 20 times, one of them is going to go in the hoop because it has to go somewhere, right? So I'm a 5% shooter. Steph is a 43% shooter. And But if you're watching, if you're watching us too, and you're trying to work out which way are you going to shoot, whose form and technique are you going to imitate, right? You're going to imitate not me. You're going to imitate Steph because he's proved that his way works. Like there's clear evidence there that his technique actually lets the ball go in, and uh, mine doesn't, and and so that's the idea. It's to, to be imitated by those whose lives have produced good outcomes, and and so I think this is a relatively straightforward principle to understand. But the application of it into our lives is harder because we are pressured by our world and our culture into chasing and valuing outcomes that don't actually provide sustainable fulfillment in our lives or bring about genuine long-term results. And so the more challenging part of this becomes valuing the right outcomes. What are the outcomes that you value and therefore want to reproduce in your life? And all humans face a huge internal fight to fend off influences whose outcomes at face value kind of seem appealing, but actually they are misleading in terms of the genuine satisfaction and fulfillment they provide. And I think an obvious example of this is money. And so regardless of your current level of income, universally, almost everyone is in some sense driven to want to move up the next rung on the money ladder. And so what that means is wealthy people inherently become influencers. Everyone wants to reproduce their financial situation. But the thing is, statistically... Life satisfaction stops going up once you earn about $75,000. So a pay rise above that statistically doesn't lead to any greater life satisfaction, even though for most of us here, we're like, I think it would. You know, like $75,000, come on, praying for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, And the thing is, there will always be someone in your life with more money than you, and you have to decide whether that's going to influence you or whether that's not. And I remember a couple of of weeks ago we talked about contentment. And if you were to compare a wealthy person and a content person, which outcome would you seek to replicate? Would it be the money, and that kind of talks louder to us, or would it be that quiet level of satisfaction in someone who maybe has less? And we need to be careful in what, in what we value in our influences because it will have a flow-on effect into our own lives. So we should be imitating those people who have proven their ability to produce good outcomes if those outcomes are ones we want for ourselves. And so the thing is, if you follow this idea of people choosing their influences and imitating based on those outcomes, it kind of raises the question, what are the outcomes that are on display in your own life? That's the next slide, Danny. Um, and and this is especially pertinent for us as Christians because if we believe we have a message that is important for people to hear, we desperately need to be influential, but in order to achieve this, in order to get to that point, it needs to be evident that our message actually provides positive outcomes. Like the outcomes and results that our lives display give legitimacy to our message. And so if the people we spend time with and interact with know that we are Christian, but there's nothing distinct or different about our lives, if the outcomes and results look to be the same, then does that not raise the valid question to those watching us that like, what actually is the point of being a Christian if there doesn't doesn't seem to make any difference? And, and And I absolutely don't want to imply that Christianity is about performance because that would be totally misleading. And it's not. But this is a real life dynamic that we have to keep at the back of our minds. The way we live and conduct our lives determine whether or not people will be influenced by our message. It communicates to people around us that our message, that relationship with God, is actually worthwhile having and makes a difference. And so if we know that people imitate us on the basis of our outcomes, the question becomes, does your life as a Christian communicate that a relationship with Christ is worth imitating? Is it evident that God has made a positive difference in your life? If we're, the same, if we're the same as everyone else, then like what actually is the point? And so the passage that we have provides us with these kind of ideas. It provides us with a tool to think through who might be best to influence us. But ultimately, it also provides a helpful suggestion as to who that should be. And so the author of Hebrews is making an argument here that there's someone who is clearly best positioned to be the influencer of most benefit in your life. And hence verse eight is there. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this verse speaks to the fact that simply through his nature and character and attributes, Jesus Christ is, massively, is in a massively advantageous position to be a positive influence in your life. And being the same yesterday, today, and forever Jesus is entirely consistent and unchanging in every moment in time. And what that means is he has never and will never be influenced, but is supremely placed to be an influence, sir. And so the argument kind of is that that the message that Jesus brings, which is God's word, and we have God's word in written form, i.e. the Bible, and the Bible also talks about Jesus himself being the word of God. So we have that two ways. This message that we have will bring better outcomes to your life than any other influencer possibly could. And it boils down pretty simply into this, and sometimes we don't like hearing this, but God knows better. God's knowledge and understanding is far superior, and hence his message will be of a much greater strength and quality, and therefore his influence will be much more beneficial. And I think often like this, a statement or argument um, doesn't actually mean that much if we don't explore why. And the writer has started down this track by referencing the consistent and unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. But I kind of want to unpack that more. Um, And so in order to engage the kids, since this is the 6 p.m. service, we're going to do this BuzzFeed style. Uh, We have four reasons why God's word produces the best outcomes and is the most beneficial influence. Number one, and we're done after this. God has already secured the ultimate outcome. And we discussed before that that we can distinguish potential influences on the basis of their outcomes and there's no more outstanding example than the ultimate outcome delivered by Christ. And in facing death head on and defeating it, Jesus has proved on the most significant and meaningful stage in human history that he is able to deliver a victorious outcome and do so comprehensively and with finality. Jesus Christ, who is God, yet arrived on earth in the form of a man. He lived for 33 years and then he was put to death on a cross, taking with him the sin of every being who ever lived. He was dead and then three days later he came back to life. And this was the supernatural evidence that validated Jesus' message. He was not just a nice guy with good ideas, he was someone who proved that he was uniquely placed. No other potential influencer in your life will ever come close to competing with the outcomes Jesus demonstrated. He proves in a way no one else ever will be able to that he is worth imitating. And the crazy part is, quite aside from proving this, Jesus has offered the benefits of its outcome to you personally. And that benefit is eternal life. And he has given us the opportunity to skip death without having to do any of the work. It says in First John that, that everyone who is born of God has conquered the world, which is an incredible outcome, but it's not at all a situation where any of us have conquered the world we just have the opportunity to attach ourselves to the one who has. And like if ever there was a bandwagon in life that we were gonna jump onto, surely it's that one. You know, like faith in Jesus Christ is backing the winning horse without the element of risk because the result's already secured. And so securing the ultimate outcome proves the worth of Jesus as an influencer. Reason two The second reason we can draw out to suggest that Jesus is going to be a positive influence in your life is this, that God has complete knowledge and full information that so far outweighs the level of knowledge and understanding that any other human influencer could possibly have. You know, the other day I was driving, actually last Sunday, we were driving past Westpac Stadium And as you're driving past, when there's a game on, they often have the tunnels up, and you can kind of like see in for about half a second onto the field, right? And so we were driving past, and I think the Phoenix were playing, and so I picked up from my little glimpse that uh, one team was wearing white, and the other team was wearing something else, and that's literally all I could comprehend from my little window into the stadium, and it made me think of how we as humans only get a tiny little split second window into life as we drive past. Like our life is short compared to the life of the earth. And, and that's the same for anyone who might influence you. But the total opposite is true for God. His perspective is complete. He sees absolutely everything. And, and, and who would you trust to tell you what was happening in that game? Like me as I drive past with my half-second glimpse, or someone who's actually on the inside and is seeing what is going on. And yet, how often in life do we allow ourselves to be influenced by people with such a, a compromised and a skewed And limited understanding when we have the opportunity to go to God, who was there at the beginning, will be there at the end, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and knows every single minute detail of everything, including how many hairs you have on your head right in this moment. And so we go to a third reason, and it's that God's not only well-positioned because there's knowledge and perspective, but he has a far greater level of understanding because he created all things. God created you and understands you more intimately than any other being ever possibly could. He understands your needs and what makes you tick with a level of depth far beyond anything we could ever comprehend. And therefore, does it not make sense that God will be able to influence you better and impact your life in a way no human will ever be able to? And, and how often do we allow ourselves to be influenced by people who don't even know our name when God knew us before we had a name? His message is tailor-made immaculately for us because he made us and he knows us. And reason number four, he loves us. I want to suggest that that ultimately God has proven himself as the best influencer for your life, not simply on the basis of his incredible power or knowledge or understanding, but on the fact that he used that to create an opportunity through which we can be released from the consequences of our sin and be with him forever. God, who is totally incomparable in stature to you and me, not only became a human like us, but died for us. And when we begin to grasp the significance of what that means, it becomes abundantly clear that his love is genuine and he is for us. God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And and if God was motivated by anything other than, than pure love, I want to suggest he would not have done what he did. He would not have sent his own son to die in your place. But, but we know that God works for the good of all those who love him. And ultimately, we can be confident his message is trustworthy and that he speaks in our best interest. And, and, and that's me pretty much done. That's our list over. But I want to um, just touch on the fact that I recognise that the language I've used tonight could be interpreted to mean that we can kind of use God for our own selfish benefit or it's like a tool, you know, to improve our lives. But, but, but you know, that's all true and, and God absolutely is the best option on the table but he's not a tool that can be used to bring about a better life for us. He becomes our life. And when we're fully influenced by God as we should, it looks like us saying, God, I believe you can lead and direct my life better than I can or better than anyone else can and thus I'm handing over control to you. To be fully influenced by his word is to follow it and trust that the outcomes will be beneficial even when we don't totally see the full picture. And my prayer for tonight as we go is that that we're able to recognise that there is an opportunity to grasp the Word of God and apply it in a way that will bring us life to the full. Let the infallible God speak into your life where previously you were being influenced by someone that wasn't quite as well placed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And as much as we need as many high quality human influences in our lives, I want to suggest that in terms of value, they're always going to be secondary. Jesus was the best option long before we got here and he's still going to be the best option long after we're gone, but he's empowered us to make a choice for ourselves. Will you hand your life over to the one who can lead and direct and influence your life far better than anyone else can? And, and it's, not, it's not a one-time declaration, but it's an everyday choice. And and it's absolutely not always easy. But I wanna say that in the end it's always good. That's it. I'm finished. I'll just pray to wrap up. I think Tom's gonna to jump up. God, thank you for thank you what for what we can find in your word. God, I ask that that as we go from here and, and into this week and into the rest of our lives, God, that that we would take on the challenge. Of looking at your word and bringing it into our lives, God, I would pray that we wouldn't resist your influence. God, I would pray. I pray that we wouldn't think that we're a better influencer than you are. But God, I pray that we would take your word. We would be humble to it, and that in the end, that would win out for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.